Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Nice Earl's Do by Susanna Craig. This was just published in 2022, um, which is last year at this point, and is the half book in the Goods Guide to Misconduct series. Yeah, I guess it's like the kickoff novella for a new series that she's starting next year, or this year at this point. (laughs) Um, And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of the novella. So uh, we've liked Susanna Craig's books in the past, so I think we were both really excited to bite into this one. Yeah. And with that, let's start with the book jacket. To readers of her popular magazine, Good's Guide to Misconduct, Mrs. Good is an expert in all domestic matters. Household management, home decor, entertainment, there's nothing about which she lacks an opinion. Who better to assist the Earl of Bennet, newly appointed guardian to his niece and nephew, in turning his house into a home? The widowed Lady Manwaring is the farthest thing from a domestic doyenne, so when asked to pose as Mrs. Good on behalf of the book's true author, she warily agrees. On arrival, she's surprised to discover that Lord Bennet is actually her childhood friend, Kit Killigrew. Tabitha might be an imposter, but her attraction to Kit is all too real. After years separated from the woman of his dreams, Kit's eager to do more than play house. Will Tabitha's big reveal ruin everything or lay the foundation for true love? I wonder which it will do. (laughs) First of all, we know that the answer to these questions is always yes, love. I have no problem with this jacket. I don't either. I think it actually does a pretty good job of concealing the identity. Like it doesn't go into too much detail. Right. That's what I mean. I like it. Even though we've you you're introduced very quickly to who the true author is, I don't think it matters to the the book jacket. So I think it's good. I completely agree. Well, as usual, we generated a random number. Since this was a novella, the number was generated between zero and twenty-five. Well, one and twenty-five, I should say. A zero <laughs> word summary would be pretty tough. We've, Meg and I just like making animal noises into the microphones. We've never done a zero word summary yet. <laughs> Um, But for this episode, we generated a number of 16, and then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. Uh, Lane, why don't you kick us off? Hints from Heloise, but sexy, and Heloise is your former love, but it's actually her stepson? (laughs) But you gave it away, so. Went right for it. Yeah. Here's mine. Beth is pretending to be someone she's not. Of course, Kit sees through all her disguises. It was cute. It was cute. It's very cute. I I feel like that's something I've noticed about Susanna Craig is she does do a really good job with like cute and fun. Yeah. So it's good. As we often say with novellas, there are a lot of tropes here mm-hmm. and the tropes do the work of building the foundation so the novella can get right to the good part. I mean, I guess it's it's sort of a second chance romance, except they were never together together before. Right. He <laughs> has been in love with her forever. She was married off by her father to someone with a title. Mm-hmm. Um, as the only child, only daughter, her father thought that was very important. Her marriage was loveless and unhappy. 
Um, but she didn't really know Kit was an option. Yeah. Before all of that happened. And over the years, they lost touch. I still think it fits second chance more because it's sort of their, it's both of their second chance at love. Yes. And so I think it works in that sense. I, I agree, but it is different than the usual, like, traumatic ripping yeah. apart. They've been resenting each other for years due to misunderstandings or whatever. Exactly. Uh, but that does mean that we have a different trope at play, which is the childhood friends to lovers. There is just something so, like, intimate socially about someone who shows up calling you by the name you were known as a kid. Yeah. And you haven't heard it in years. Yeah. And it goes both ways this time. Like, he's not used to wearing the Earl's mantle, and she never felt at home in her married name. It's, it's, I really liked that part a lot. Me too. So, she is a stepmother um, to her husband's son from his first marriage. And often in these situations, the stepmother and stepson are much closer in age than you would expect. And so they end up being allies in addition to the parental protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and often the f- husband slash father is an abusive a-hole. Yeah. And that is absolutely the case here. Yes. And so Tabitha and her stepson are extremely close and we're sort of each other's only ally in the years of hell that the, that her former husband put them through. Yeah. Uh, we have a touch of It's Always Been You. For Kit, especially. Mm-hmm. For Kit, especially. And uh, Meg's summary got into this, but we see a, often in romance that someone will put, you know, a degree of effort into coming up with a cover story for being something like Mrs. Good. And then the first person they encounter is someone who knows the real them, and they immediately have to pivot and approach it from a different angle. Yeah, it's it's... It's really cute. And it's really cute here because she does she does a good job of pivoting and he still does manage to see through the secondary disguise, I think. Especially because he's like, you would never have been into this. Yes. And you're clearly not good at it. Yes. It was cute. I uh, so you saw in the book jacket that he is he needs to change his house around because he is now the guardian to his nephew and niece. So his younger brother um, ran off to Italy and got married and then had some kids. And now he's in charge of the kids. Uh, the trope here, of course, is that the unprepared uncle now has to, you know, deal with these these little kitties. I'm, I can think of one of the Tessa Dare books mm-hmm. where the governess game, where mm-hmm. he's looking for a governess for his wayward nieces. Yep. Um, usually it's a governess or a decorum expert or a housekeeper or just some woman with the know-how to come in. And usually it's dealing with the children themselves, but in this case, it's just preparing the house. Yeah. I thought it was a cute, a cute twist on that trope. Agree, and it meant less time, page time with children, so I was very happy. Exactly. And he was never meant to inherit. Yes, which is also why she's shocked. Shocked, I tell you, to turn up at Lord Bennett's address and to find her good friend Kit instead. Yes. Very fun. Okay, one of the things I really liked about this book is that both of the characters were mature. By mature, he's 45 and she's 41. 
And, you know, at this point, he has been an Earl for half a decade, and she's already been through one marriage. Mm-hmm. So they both have a lot of life lived behind them. Not just in age, but in experience. Yes. But they don't... I mean, obviously, the older I get, the more appealing characters like this feel to me. But they felt... They felt like their age, too. They didn't feel like they were too young to be experiencing these emotions right now, that kind of thing. I thought it was well done, well written. Yes. Um, And then I really liked that there were no... They never have a discussion about, like, having children or, like, he's not thinking, I need to get married and produce an heir. And, of course, she was infertile in her marriage. She never feels the need to even tell him, like, I was infertile. And also now I'm 40, so probably not going to have a kid. Like, they don't even talk about it. And I loved that. Right. And that's not just, I I think it also works because if in book one of this series for real, they have a toddler, it won't feel like it undermined anything in this book because we've seen that happen a bunch where infertility is this high stakes drama and then they end up with a kid and you're like cool that was really emotionally manipulative especially to people experiencing infertility yeah so I I agree with you I really liked how it was handled and I you know he was never going to marry because he never was interested in anyone after her Mm -hmm. so there was no plan for an heir anyway yeah but I mean even though as experienced historical romance readers were like, oh, well, he has a niece and nephew. He has a nephew who can inherit. No big deal. You know, that's not articulated on the page. Yes. And I I liked it. I did too. So I thought that was great. I also really liked that. So this is where the second chance romance gets a little mm, undermined or, or changed a little bit, which is that Yes, she married another person. She married another man. And he, as Lane said, has never even considered marrying anyone else because she was the one for him. And yet when they get back together, the conflict is not that he's upset that she married someone else. And the conflict is not she's upset that he never told her that he was the one for her, you know? Well, and he occasionally, in his own internal monologue, beats himself up for not being able to save her. Yeah. He doesn't blame her at all. Right. And so I, I I, felt like this was an aspect of their maturity as, like, mature characters, was that they're both, at this point, they're like, this happened. We can't go back and change it. There's no point in being upset about these things that have happened. We can only mm-hmm. go forward from here. And I thought it was really nice. I liked it. Me too. Okay, that said, the actual conflict <laughs> did get a little annoying. <laughs> it only lasts for about an hour. What? The book? The conflict. The con- Oh, in like, the book, yes. Within the universe of the book, it lasts about an hour. It was extremely stupid. That said, Tabitha's obviously really motivated to keep the secret for her stepson that he is actually the author of the Mrs. Good novels for a lot of reasons. And I really liked that the resolution involved him being willing to expose his secrets on her behalf. Yes. The, her stepson. I thought, you know, Bennett was a real baby 
Kit was yeah, a real baby yeah. about the whole thing. And that was frustrating. But I am glad that the way the truth came out did not involve Tabitha betraying Oliver's confidence. I totally agree with you on that. I just wanted, and I feel like this this is a tired refrain that we will never stop singing. And it's just that, just talk to her. Yes. Just have a conversation with Tabitha instead of not going to dinner and locking yourself in your room because you're your crybaby, as you said, Lane. Like, yeah, sure, you're observing some casual intimacy between Tabitha and Oliver. They clearly know each other really well. Assuming they're lovers is a massive leap. Pretty big. And he could have asked either one of them. He could have asked Oliver. He could have been like, hey, I just want to, like, we're old friends. I just want to know, like, would I be poaching? He could have done that. He could have asked her, hey, we're old friends. Are you and Oliver more than more than acquaintances a lot of things he could have done well and i almost it would have been annoying in this context because the whole novella takes place in 24 hours but if the hurt had been there's clearly something between tabitha and oliver in that they know each other very well and i am upset she is clearly keeping something from me right like i think that tenor of conflict would have annoyed me less even though in this 24-hour period it wouldn't have made any sense yeah um, that said, in general, for a novella that, as you say, takes place over the course of 24 hours, it made perfect sense that they would get together so quickly. Yep. That uh, I thought the relationship itself made total sense. I agree. I had a really good time reading this. And, like, <laughs> one eye roll in the context of a novella is not anything to exactly. get upset about. All right. Any content warnings? I wanted to have the same discussion you put in the notes. Mm -hmm. So Oliver um, is a Viscount, her stepson, mm -hmm. because she'd married a Viscount. And he started writing these housekeeping books, not out of a need to make money, but sort of out of a way to express his real interest in these things and to mm -hmm. validate a lot of the unsung work he'd seen women do his entire life. And he came to really enjoy it himself. I could not tell if... Oliver was gay or not mm -hmm. and it does not matter except there were some allusions made to him being a disappointing heir for a lot of reasons mm -hmm. I noted that the one passing reference to Oliver's romantic life was that he dated an opera singer mm -hmm. and the gender of said opera singer was not revealed mm -hmm. um on the one hand you know, I think it'd be really awesome to just have a character into domestic arts who it had nothing, to, it was not a reflection on sexuality and it was truly a progressive, mm -hmm. like, hey, even the concept of gendered spaces is bullshit. Yep. On the other hand, there was a lot made about Oliver's otherness in society and mm -hmm. his suffering. And I think his sexuality was ambiguous left ambiguous on purpose right the only uh, this is one of the first times i've ever done this i flipped just to see what the names of the characters in the next book were mm -hmm. because i was wondering if the first one would be oliver one way or another right and it is not no it is not yeah i just i was a little confused about how we were supposed to read him i don't think this is necessarily a content warning um no it's just a thing it's just a thing 
Um, I was like, are we supposed to be reading him as gay? Are we supposed to be reading him as just not conforming to masculine standards? I guess, as Lane says, it, it ultimately doesn't really matter. Except but, I think there were a lot of choices made to make you think about it. Right. Exactly. So, anyway, there you go. Yep. Sexiness. Otherwise, though, uh, nothing I can think of. No, no, I can't, uh, honestly, can't think of anything else that might. <laughs> I don't think there's any issue with any content. In it. I mean, okay, you can, you know that her relationship was unhappy and that there was, it's, it was hinted at that there was some kind of abuse. Especially toward Oliver. Yes. That he was emotionally berated at the very least. Right. Um, but that's it. And that's off page, all in their past. Yep. Okay. Sexiness. I thought it was more cute than sexy, but it yeah. was definitely sexy. Yeah. I I would say it fits the Susanna Craig mold. If you've ever read a Susanna Craig book, they're not super, super explicit or sexy, but she always includes at least one sex scene. And in a novella with six chapters, I think she, Susanna Craig in particular, I think could have gotten away with less than what was on the page. And she definitely was like, no, these, <laughs> these two characters in their forties are going to get it on and they're going to have a good time in the bedroom. And I appreciated that. Just saying. I also liked that there was some lip service paid to like, Shit, they know we woke up in bed together the next morning. I don't want to scandalize, like, her reputation. But, oh, well, I'm definitely marrying her in, like, three days. Whatever. Right? <laughs> it was so cute. I liked it. <laughs> like you said, it's it's extremely cute. Yes. So, so, yeah. I had a really fun time reading it. It's really cute. And I the setup for the series is clearly going to be this hints from Heloise Empire. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really excited to see how all of that gets deployed. Yeah, right? So I think it was I think it was successful as a novella and I think it was successful as uh, an intro to a new series. So two thumbs up for me. Yeah, looking forward to whatever Susanna Grang brings us in 2023.